if we uh, take a look at the world's human rights trend, we will see that the compulsory um, requirement of surgery is clearly deemed as inhumane and discriminatory. So these are very obvious human rights trends. I think transgender citizens should be treated as citizens, not patients. Hello and welcome to Getting Pacific, where we get specific on trending topics straight from the newsroom at Taiwan Plus. I'm your co-host, Trevor Tortomasi, and I'm exactly half of this show's hosts. <laughs> yes, and I'm exactly the other half. I am Joey Chow, and today we're going to talk about this. A new survey finds that a growing number of Taiwan's workplaces are queer-friendly. The report by local groups Tongzhi Hotline and Taiwan Equality Campaign identified 47 of the 62 surveyed companies as friendly to LGBTQ employees. Over 60% of these businesses were foreign-owned. The survey also found that only around a quarter had written LGBTQ protections into their company policies. Rights groups say that companies in Taiwan can do more to accommodate their queer employees. Yeah, let's get right into it. We're going to check up on the LGBTQ plus movement around the world today. And a special focus is on trans rights, especially here in Taiwan, where Joey and I are both located. But that's something I need to be upfront about. I am what's called a straight, white, cisgender male, which means I score four out of four for least qualified to talk about what it's like to feel underrepresented in today's <laughs> world. But as Joey and I cover a lot of different topics in this podcast, we can't not cover the global LGBTQ plus movement and especially the movement for transgender rights. So today we're going to hear from some people who are active in the movement and we're going to focus less on history and more on the current landscape. Mm, yeah, today we'll look at which countries around the world are supporting the movement as of the end of 2023. And we'll look at how Taiwan has become a unique example for human rights in Asia while still calling attention to the human rights work we have ahead of us. Okay, so most listeners probably already know this, but let's expound on the acronym. LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. The first three, LGB, obviously focus on what we're attracted to, while the T for transgender focuses more on our gender identity. And the Q for queer can refer to all four of these. The word queer was previously used as a derogatory term, an insult, as early as 1894. But guess what? It's being reclaimed as an identity to be proud of in many places and I think that rocks. So I should note that the Q can also sometimes stand for questioning because, hey, sometimes we're still figuring stuff out. And finally, the plus, that's to include anyone who doesn't identify with the first five letters, including non-binary people, pansexual people, and asexual people, literally as much as we can see across the spectrum, just as I guess the plus in Taiwan plus can be inclusive too. Really though, that's the word of the day, include, including, inclusion, inclusiveness. And inclusivity, if we're naming all the suffixes, 
Today, we're diving into the trans part of the acronym, which mainly represents the umbrella term transgender, referring to anyone whose gender identity doesn't correspond to the gender they were registered with at birth. And that keyword plays a big part in today's stories, identity. But we'll have trans people and activists speak more on this later. First, for my co-host Joey, let's look at a few countries and their stances on same-sex marriage and transgender identity. First, in the U.S., um, how do you think the U.S. feels about same-sex marriage and transgender identity? Pretty open or pretty limited? Ooh, I think they're generally supportive. But then again, the U.S. is comprised of 50 different states that all are sort of autonomous in terms of their own rulings and legal matters. So I'm going to say as a country, they're supportive. But each state's probably have different legal parameters. Yeah, that's correct. Um, Same-sex marriage is legal as of at least 10 years ago. The transgender identity is recognized in a lot of states, but there are increasing limits to which medications you can get and which procedures can ease your transition. There have also been hundreds of court cases across many states over rights to gender-affirming medication, uh, rights to surgery, and even the right to educate people about gender dysphoria and trans identity in general. So according to the American Civil Liberties Union, there were more than 500 anti-LGBTQ plus laws in the U.S. as of the end of 2023. But there are still millions of people in the U.S. out there fighting for rights and recognition. And I'd like to think that that continues to be a huge contribution to the worldwide conversation. All right, let's move on to Canada, your country. Hey, uh, I'm going to say legal on both fronts, right? For same-sex marriage and transgender identity. Yeah, legal on both fronts. And you can be recognized as transgender. Um, you can legally change your gender without having to undergo any gender reassignment surgery. Yep. So if you discover that you are not the gender you were assigned at birth, you can legally apply to get that changed to recognize how you identify and you don't need to undergo invasive surgery. So how about Mexico? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to guess this is a trick question. Mexico is probably a lot more liberal than we give them credit for, huh? That's true. Yeah, I think a lot of people might see Mexico initially as being a little bit socially conservative. Yeah. But uh, no, actually, it's legal on both fronts. There is one limitation, though. Trans people cannot serve in the military. Oh. So that's sort of a pattern we'll see with other countries as well. Like maybe it's totally fine to be trans under the eyes of the government, but then they don't want you here or they don't want you there. And that's some of the limits we're starting to face. So let's move over over to the UK. Mm, the UK. European countries are usually quite supportive of uh, same-sex marriage and transgender identity. So I'm going to say yes to both. Yes, sadly, even though the UK is not technically a European country at this point in time. <laughs> Anymore. Yeah. yeah, no country in Europe has a law against homosexuality, but same-sex marriage is only recognized as a civil union in certain countries like Italy. Um, and when we go to trans rights, it gets a little more difficult in places like Turkey. Gender changes are legal with surgery, but there's not much protection in place against discrimination. So as we move further east, uh, what about Russia? Oh, that's a definite no-no. I'm sure of it. Yeah. In Russia, I would call this a super no. The LGBTQ plus movement in Russia has been labeled as an extremist organization. And that goes without saying that transgender identity in Russia is also uh, super no. Um, looking at Saudi Arabia. I would also say they're not very supportive of... In fact, I think same-sex marriage is not only 
um, not supported, but might actually be illegal in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it is super illegal, and some offenses are punishable by death, and transgender identity is also mega no. So moving on to India, I won't quiz you on the rest. I'll just note that uh, India, same-sex marriage is not legal, but transgender identity is recognized, but surgery is required. The Philippines, uh, transgender identity is not recognized. Moving over to China, Japan, and Taiwan all have sort of the same situation, which is that if you want to change your gender, you can legally do it, but you must undergo surgery. Really? Taiwan? I totally thought Taiwan wouldn't be in the same boat as China and Japan, which is uh, more conservative traditionally. Yeah, definitely. So living here in Taiwan, day to day, there is so much trans representation. I I might be living sort of in a bubble because I have a lot of (laughs) trans friends. And like, you know, you walk down the street during Pride Parade and it is just, it is awesome. You can see it everywhere. But But yeah, it is not easy getting yourself recognized in the eyes of the law if you want to legally change your gender. You have to undergo surgery if you want that to happen. So like you, amongst my immediate social circle, I would say people are quite supportive of LGBTQ plus rights here in Taiwan. And Taiwan has been pretty progressive in passing laws to support and enshrine LGBTQ rights. And even though there are still many conservative holdouts, Taiwan is more accepting on trans rights than almost anywhere else in Asia, right? Yeah, for example, in 2019, just before the pandemic, Taiwan became the first nation in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage. And just a few weeks ago, the Taiwan Plus news team, as we played earlier for you, they reported that a new survey identified a growing number of Taiwanese businesses that are LGBTQ plus friendly. So experts and activists say trans rights are still lagging behind though. So before we get into it, let's hear from Pan Chen Lo, a trans rights activist here in Taiwan, just what it means to be trans and the current state of the community. Generally, uh, trans refers to people who move from their gender aside at birth. Uh, some move toward the other side and some go beyond. Um, there are some categories such as uh, cross-dressing or transsexual, and there has also been uh, the development of non-binary identities uh, in Taiwan in the past few years. Some non-binary uh, consider themselves trans, but some do not. I, I think we're still trying to let people know like, the diversity of transgender experience. And a medical transition does not define what it means to be trans. But just like marriage, like everyone should have access to healthcare and other public service. And my point is um, the focus on medical standards for a successful transition or being like a real trans uh, has created a monolithic understanding of what being transgender is and that fails to understand the full diversity of this community. So like I said, in Taiwan, you cannot legally change your gender unless you undergo surgery. And while this gender affirmation surgery is something that some people choose to do, of course, it is invasive and understandably quite terrifying for the people who would rather not do it. There was one case in 2021 in which a judge ruled that one transgender plaintiff could legally change their gender without surgery, but the case did not set a legal precedent. It was a big exception, and it hasn't happened since then, so everyone else has still had to struggle. Mm, And now, more recently, in a case from, well, just recent months, a trans woman named Vivi has been seeking to legally change her gender without surgery. Let's hear the details of this story from Victoria Xu, a human rights lawyer here in Taiwan. 
Vivi was assigned male at birth, but she discovered that she was different from other boys since she was a child. It was not until college that she had the opportunity to have information regarding transgender issues. And after a process of self-exploration, she confirmed her gender identity as female. And Vivi hopes to change her gender registration. But according to Taiwan's current administrative order, she must submit two certificates from psychiatrists and undergo surgery to remove the sex organs. Um, Vivi has no medical needs and does not want surgery. So Vivi applied to the household registration office to change her gender marker after being rejected, she filed a uh, petition. The petition was rejected, so she filed a lawsuit and is currently waiting for the court to hear the case. Yeah, so besides the ambulance giving some panic ambiance to the situation at hand, so Vivi has sued the government to allow her to legally change her gender to female. She is still waiting for her day in court, but there are many capable lawyers on her side, thankfully. So let's look at what's keeping these laws in place. Well, whether it's religions or cultures or institutions, there are strict definitions for men, often women, and their relationships and duties to each other. If a community or a country views a form of self-expression as bad, then they crack down on it to keep it from spreading. And if you're lucky, you live in a place where people are pretty open-minded. But even in a society, especially like Taiwan from where I see it, filled with open minds, sometimes the laws just haven't caught up yet. Yeah, about Vivi's story, I like to think of the law is preventing non-surgery transgender citizens from legally changing their gender, that there is at least a good reason for it or a hope. And for the life of me, I cannot think of one reason. I mean, in what way does a person's biological makeup affect legal proceedings or legal processes that can be done with an ID, right? I mean, I'd love to hear a good argument, but I guess in a way that's exactly what prejudice means. Given that all things are equal empirically, you still decide to choose one thing over another. Yeah, and that points to just what Victoria mentioned earlier. I mean, like we say it all the time, in the activist community, trans rights are human rights. The right to register for a marriage or the right to change something legally, especially is something as logistically important but also trivial as a card that shows what gender you are, the right to change that is, is should be a human right. If you're sure and you undergo due process, there shouldn't be any barriers to, to changing this. So let's hear again from Victoria on this current situation. Basically, we think that the logic is the same when we uh, talk about the freedom to marry, we don't ask gays or lesbians to go to um, hospital to have a, a medical certificate of their sexual orientation, right? So I don't think that the um, psychiatrist's um, certificate is necessary for the gender marker change. And secondly, we, uh, if we uh, take a look at the world's human rights trend, we will see that the compulsory um, requirement of surgery is clearly deemed as inhumane and discriminatory. So these are very obvious human rights trends. I think transgender citizens should be treated as citizens, not patients. 
Yeah, so I've also pulled up this great resource that I will link in the description of this podcast. It is from the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign, and they have this incredible report that was compiled for 2023 with tons of fancy statistics and lots of colors denoting surveys taken for trans people in society, pronoun uses and comfort and stuff like this. It goes really, really into detail. I should note this whole survey was taken in the US. So there's a sample size in the US of over 300 million people, but that does not represent the whole world. So just take this as kind of a piece of the pie. But I also want to pull up one part that stuck out to me, which is a lot of parts of this are heartbreaking, but this one, especially the parental support and rejection. People who have parents that say they are proud of you for being LGBTQ plus 38%. Parents who speak positively about your identity, 51.9%. Say that they like you as they are, 52%. So these are, that's nice to look at, okay, like there's at least half of parents are being like supportive about these things. Yeah, but that's only half. But that's only half, you know? So like it really should be more than half. It should be 100% that feel okay telling their parents it's coming out to their friends and family. Yeah, so in terms of actionables, like how can we support the LGBTQ plus movement more? Let's start with some do's and don'ts. Or actually, let's start with the don'ts. Um, so there was this news story from last year in August of 2023, a rock band known as The 1975. Uh, they were playing a show at a music festival in Malaysia. And during the show, the male lead singer, Matt Healy, kissed his also male bandmate, which is already a very out of place thing to do in Malaysia, like a very, very conservative country in this regard, um, whose government is staunchly anti-homosexuality. But on top of that, Matt Healy, who was drunk at the time, he went on a rant in front of the crowd, criticizing the Malaysian government for, quote, telling us who we can have sex with. And that caused a huge backlash from not only the people in the crowd, but also the people in the government, which canceled the music festival before it was over and used the event to mobilize harsh crackdowns on the LGBTQ plus movements in Malaysia. And the organizers of the Malaysian music festival were seeking 2.1 million US dollars equivalent in damages from the band. So even though I agree with Matt Healy's passionate feelings in principle, of course, yes, of course, and we should all be able to have sex with whoever we want to have sex with. But after seeing the reactions from the Malaysian people, even the LGBTQ plus Malaysian people in the crowd, they say it was absolutely not the proper way to move things forward. And this has actually thrown a ton of complications into the movement for a future with LGBTQ plus rights in Malaysia. So the don't for here is know where you are, know the context of where you are, and know how the people there are fighting for their rights. And just be careful because you might throw a wrench into to hard work that others have done. Oh yeah, totally. If not done carefully, you could take back years of progress made in the movement. Uh, when we support our beliefs, we should keep in mind that either side of any argument has real people and real lives at stake. And if we call ourselves true humanitarians, we should always think about human lives in our march towards equality. Yeah, definitely. So as we've covered uh, one of the big don'ts, let's look at one of the big do's, inclusive policies. Obviously, this has to come from the government. We should make sure our workplaces, our homes, and just kind of our attitude allows for it to be normal without hassle. And of course, representation. We need to make sure all voices are heard as much as possible. So Joey and I are straight cisgender men, but trying to include some voices in this podcast and also the resources that I will include in the description for other trans and LGB voices 
are important to keep as a part of the conversation. And speaking of representation, let's hear from a trans woman named Abigail Wu, who ran for a seat on Green Party Taiwan's legislator at large list. The life for transgender is quite hard, even for me, because since I found out that I will I'm a transgender person that I need to fight for everything, like uh, fight for the place in my family that my parents want to take me to the doctors who want to correct this thing. And if I need to go to get a job, that I need to face some out of uh, discrimination, something like that, and it's quite hard. But the reason I'm willing to fight for other people because we have a major depression issues and even suicide, suicide rate, something like that, and it's. A uh, very important issue in the community, but nobody is taking care of these things. It's just our organization. If we can make some effort to make some movement in the society that can uh, make effect to other people, and this will affect someone else maybe 100 or 200 years, then that is the meaning of life. I feel this will also encourage them to come out to fight for their self or fight for their personal rights because eventually you need to fight for yourself, eventually. Yeah, learning to fight for others, but uh, also recognizing that for our trans people, we want to normalize this in the world. Yeah, that's what I've always thought, you know, the only way for any institution to have more diverse representation is to have diversity in its system. People of different ethnic backgrounds and gender identities. If we're talking about the Oscars, for example, then it's the Academy members, right? If we're talking about the government, then it's probably the legislatures and magistrates. Of course, we can't finish this episode today without mentioning Taiwan's Audrey Tang, a trans woman who currently serves as Taiwan's Minister of Digital Affairs, often much more awesomely referred to as the Digital Minister. She has initiated and worked on a multitude of projects for Taiwan's digital infrastructure and gets the job done so well that her gender identity is often no longer even a topic of conversation. I should also mention that Audrey has a show on Taiwan Plus called Innovative Minds, available on both YouTube and our official website, taiwanplus.com. Yep, and that's hopefully where we're headed, where it doesn't have to be a topic of conversation. So today, what did we talk about? We've looked at the current state of the trans rights movement, mainly here in Taiwan, but also as a product of the global LGBTQ plus movement and how it's perceived in an increasingly online society. Yep, we heard from Pan Chen Luo, who reminds us how diverse the trans community is. We heard from Victoria Xu, a human rights lawyer in Taiwan who was working for people's rights to identify as their preferred gender as their identity without having to undergo expensive and invasive operations. Citizens, not patients. And trans rights are human rights. And we heard from Abigail Wu, who ran for a seat in Taiwan's legislature to try and make changes so that future generations won't have to fight as hard as she did, while reminding us that most of us still have to be prepared to fight for something eventually. Yeah. And so even as a straight white cisgender male, I hope we've helped provide some perspective on how we can accept people for who they are and to accept the fact that no matter what laws are in place in what parts of the world, people want to be in charge of their identities and that deserves recognition, both social and legal. Yep. And if you would like to get in touch with us, perhaps share your personal stories with us or talk about how the society or the country that you live in is currently addressing the LGBTQ 
movement, uh, please reach out to me. I can be found with Joey Taipei on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm at Trabotsky everywhere. And if you'd like more from Taiwan Plus, you can find our website at taiwanplus.com. There's all kinds of videos and news resources and entertainment about Taiwan and the world. That's right. And thank you for listening to this episode of Getting Pacific. I'm Joey Chow. And I'm Trevor Tortomasi. I hope we got Pacific enough for you today. Until next time, go ahead and do something nice for somebody. We'll be back again soon. Thank you.